now before uh, Johnny comes to preach with it to us, um, I'm going to ask Linda to come and read from the Bible. Thank you, Linda. Good morning. My name is Linda. I've been part of Grace Church for 16 years, and I usually hide away at the back and serve on the AV team. Um, I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 28. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Good, wonderful. Good morning, everybody. How are we? We all right? About half asleep. Yeah, yeah I'm all right. Okay. Good morning. It's always it's, uh, lovely to hear Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, that is hard-hitting best. But when you hear it in, with a Welsh accent, just really elevates it to another level. Um, thank you, Linda. Uh, we were back from like a Christmas break last week, and it was just so fantastic to be back, and it's so good to be here this morning as well, and to, what is wrong with this? What's going on? That doesn't work, brilliant, super. Um, so uh, yes, if you, are, if you are new, if it's your first time here, you are so very, very welcome, it's great to have you with us. We're currently in a, in a, a two-part series, last week... Um, Joe kicked us off, and this week I'll be finishing it, where we're focusing in on communion. So a bit later on, as you can tell from our bread and wine on the sides at the tables, we're going to be taking communion together. And uh, we're focusing particularly on one of the verses that we, uh, we heard read by, by Linda in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. We're focusing a lot on this. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. So last week, 
Joe was um, focusing in on this is my body, and uh, he unpacked how we can encounter and we can experience God um, and his presence when we are taking communion. And this week, my emphasis is going to be much more on the second half. I'm going to be looking at remembrance, the remembering part. Um, However, um, however you emphasize or however you understand or view or approach or even how you name communion, it will often depend on your background, I think. So um, today I'm going to be referring to it um, throughout as communion um, uh, and breaking, or, or breaking bread or bread and wine, which churches like ours would often refer to communion as. Whereas if you've come from a, a, a possible Catholic background, you may refer to it as the Eucharist, um, or you might call it the Holy Sacrament, or even Mass. All of those are appropriate words to use. Um, if you've got a, a Church of England background, you might possibly come at it by calling it um, the Lord's Supper, or um, Holy Communion. Whatever name you give it, okay, commun- uh, whatever, however you call Communion, all of those titles above, they are all appropriate names, and hopefully I'll expand on as to why. But um, have you ever thought through, what is it? What is this remembrance? What is communion? What's happening here? Why is it, why is it important to a, to a Christian? And if you have come from a, a totally unchurched background, you might be coming here like, what even is this? What is communion? What's that all about? Well, great news, you come on a perfect morning, because that's, uh, if you've been, th- or even if you've been a Christian for a while and you've been thinking that for many years, but I'm, I'm like too afraid to ask, what is communion? That's what we're going to look at this morning. I love it when you're asking questions that uh, we're going to be answering. What is communion? So the rest of the morning, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be focusing ourselves using God's Word. We're going to be using what Linda brought uh, and read to us a little bit earlier. Um, but we're, we're also going to be jumping around the Bible as well. Um, and so it might be really helpful. If you've got a Bible, if you've got that in front of you, that would be really helpful to then as we, as we jump and as we move, you can see I'm not making this up. Um, actually, it is in God's Word. Um, so I've got, I've got eight points so we're going to be moving very quickly. We're going to be flying through this. So I hope that you can keep up. But just before I do, I just really want to pray for us. I want to pray for us individually, but I also want to pray for us as a church that, um, first of all, that we come with the correct approach to communion, that we, that we check our hearts in this. Is there something that God wants to change within us? Uh, and also to help us enjoy and encounter God uh, in communion. Um, more as we, as we push into communion. So I'm just going to pray. Pray with me. Let's, why don't we stand up? Let's stand up and we'll, we'll pray. Um, this is, and this isn't just me praying. Why don't you pray this and amen it as, as I pray. God, I just, I just pray for this morning. I pray that as we look at your word, as we explore your word, as we explore communion, this gift that you have given us, I pray that we just... Will you correct our approach? Will you correct our, our minds? Will you, Lord, will you give me the words to say? Lord, will, will we be truthful to your word? 
And will we check our hearts, Lord, as we unpack the word, as we unpack communion. God, I pray that we check our own hearts. Will you just change us where we need changing? And Lord, help us, Lord, ultimately just to enjoy you more, enjoy your presence, enjoy communion, enjoy worshipping you through communion as a church as we explore it and as we see the depth and the beauty of it, I pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So... What is communion? What is it? What's it all about? What's happening? Well, firstly, communion is remembrance. Communion is remembrance. Um, As a church, I think this is um, often an area of communion that we do fairly well, actually. I think we do this uh, as a church fairly well, and we focus on it the majority of the time, and rightly so. If we look at verse 24 and 25, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Most of the time, when the Christian is celebrating communion, we are looking back. We're looking back very often, and communion is a remembrance moment. And if you, if you think about this, when, when Jesus was taking communion for the first time at the, the, so the, the, what's called the Last Supper, um, or you could call it the First Communion, they, they were already having a remembrance meal. They were already, uh, it was a meal of the Passover, which... Um, which was an event that happened with Moses. And we're going to, ironically, we're going to be preaching on that next week, which is, look at that for timing, eh? Um, so we're going to be back in our Exodus series uh, after uh, uh, next week. But we'll be touching on that next week. But this, this, is, this meal was a remembrance moment for the Jews where they would, where they would gather together and remember God um, during the Passover. And uh, this meal Jesus was eating with his friends, it was already a covenant meal. It was a reminder of the promises of God to them. But this time, this meal that Jesus is having, he, he really flips it and he made it a bit different. Instead of remembering the Passover lamb, Jesus is saying, remember me. Don't, not just the Passover lamb, remember me. It's like um, the disciples, they would have felt complete, utter shock. Probably at this, they would have felt quite a lot of confusion uh, at this. It's as if, like, on the 11th of November, on Remembrance Sunday, instead of remembering the events that we associate with Remembrance Sunday, it's like our, our new king saying, on the 11th of November, we're going, it's a time to remember Queen Elizabeth instead. Jesus was taking the existing thing, which is the Passover, and he was making it about himself. And rightly so. It wouldn't be right for the king to do that, but it would be right for for Jesus to do that. Because Jesus is saying that um, do this, this existing Passover moment in remembrance of me. He's saying that the lamb that you're eating on the table, they would have had a lamb at the table, they would have been enjoying a a delicious meal, and that lamb on the table that you are eating and enjoying, well, that's going to be me. That's me. That's what I have done for you. Remember me and what I have done for you. That's what he is saying. I think Charles Spurgeon, um, 
is helpful in how we should approach uh, remembering um, during uh, communion. He says this, Use the bread and the wine as folks often use their spectacles. What do they use spectacles for? To look at? No, to look through. So use the bread and the wine as a pair of spectacles. Look through them. And do not be satisfied until you say, yes, yes, I see the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Communion is remembering to put our spectacles on until we see God with clarity and with sharpness and beauty of the Lamb who was slain for us. So communion is remembering, but communion is also communion with Christ. John 6, 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Have you ever wondered what the word communion means? If you, if you were to look it up, it is in, in the Greek it's a koinonia, which is, means like fellowship or relationship or life in common with. So communion then is life in common with Jesus, life participating with Jesus. And, and just before what we read in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 16, it says this, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? It's important to note, remembering in communion is not just a memorial moment. It's not just an 11th of November type of moment. Okay? It's, it's not just a symbol, it's also a seal. Yeah, communion is a seal. The bread and the wine is a seal of our communion with Jesus. And it gives us an opportunity to express and gives us an opportunity to enjoy and experience our participation with Jesus, our communion with Jesus. This is why communion is for the Christian. It is for the, the Christian. How can you participate with Christ unless you know him as, as king? Also, if you don't know Jesus, what, what benefit is there to, to, the, to somebody who is not a Christian? How can you receive the blessing that comes from communion with Christ if you don't have faith in the one who, who blesses? And that might be you this morning. So although this is, although when we're taking communion, it is for the Christian, it's also an invitation. It's an invitation to participate with God and to celebrate breaking bread even for the first time this morning. So when we come to the table later, why not chat to somebody? Why don't you chat to somebody that you know uh, and discuss oh, what's this, this all about? Um, chat about what we are remembering. And uh, I love the reminder from Joe last week. He said, if you're a Christian who's inclined to doubt that Jesus died for you and that everything he has is yours, then communion is there to help remind you that you have communion with him, that you participate with Jesus. So if you doubt that, as you come to communion, you can go, no, I I am, I'm participating with Christ in this moment. Communion is participating with Jesus when he says, take, eat, and drink. We're participating with him. And we can enjoy communion with him this morning. So communion is communion with Christ, but communion is also communion with one another. Where we go. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one 
loaf. We are, we are not participating only with the living God by what Jesus has done on the cross, but we take communion with one another. We share it with one another. The background of 1 Corinthians is that Paul was writing to a church who were taking communion, which is great, but they were making an absolute pig's ear of it. They had properly missed it. They got it completely wrong. His main issue for them was their lack of unity in taking it. The rich, they were indulging on the bread and the wine to the point where they were having a sort of feast together uh, and, and to the point where they were absolutely trolleyed from drinking all of the wine. And then the poor, they were unable to participate at all. And so I don't, I don't think we're quite at that stage. <laughs> I don't think we've quite got there. But, but Paul acknowledges that this meal, what we're going to be taking later, it, it, it meant, it's, meant, it's meant to bring unity. Instead, what it was doing in the Corinthian church, it was bringing division. And when we eat this meal of communion together, Paul is saying that this meal, what we are doing, communion together, it unites us and it unites us around Jesus. If we look carefully at, at 1 Corinthians ten seventeen, we can see that It's not because we are the church, so we share one bread. That's not what what he's saying. Actually, instead, Paul says, because we share one bread, that's that's what makes us one body. It's like, because we take communion, we we become more united. We become one body, not, not the other way around. And that's true of any meal. If you think logically, eating, eating any meal at a table, you've got all these individuals, how come sit down, what does it do? It unites you, it brings you together, and it's the same at, at the table. Yeah, communion is not just a personal, individual experience. It can be that, but we are members of a community. Yeah, both baptism and communion, they show that we belong to that, that community, the people who belong to Jesus. What is communion? It's remembrance, communion with God, communion with others, but it's also Communion is thanksgiving. When Jesus, this is where we get that word Eucharist, I'll talk about that in a second, but when Jesus, in verse 24 of chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, when, when he, that's Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Thanksgiving is where you get the name Eucharist. So Eucharistos. Um, it means, which is the Greek, it means grateful or thankful. Yeah? So communion is a place where we give God thanks. But this is not just thanking God for Jesus. Not just saying, thank you God for Jesus that he died for me and, and rose again. But it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. Think about this. Jesus, yeah, so it says, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus gave thanks. And he celebrated communion. What's Jesus thanking God for? Because I think pre his death and resurrection, I can't see him thanking God for himself that he died and rose again. He's, he's thanking, I don't think he's just thanking God for himself. I'm sure it, it would be different to what we often come to communion and, and give thanks for. We, we have food, we have drink, we have breath in our lungs, and they are a gift from God. And if we give anything... During communion, as we come to communion, yes, we're thanking God for Jesus. Of course we are. But it's more than that because he has given us breath in our lungs. We're thanking God not just for the cross, 
but for the teeth in our mouth that we can chew the bread on, the, the taste buds on our tongue that we can taste the wine with. We are thanking God. It's a moment to remember he is he's not only the saviour of the world, but he's also the creator and he's also the sustainer of it all. The gospel is our moment of eternal thanksgiving. Communion is our opportunity to remember and give thanks to God for who he is, for what he's done. Communion is thanksgiving, but it's also celebration. We celebrate during communion. I, um, I joined the staff team about two and a bit years ago. And uh, we, I still remember my th- first theological discussion in the office. And it's proper geeky. Like they, we were chatting, and then we were chatting about what word do you use to describe the action of, of communion? And uh, told you, not everyone else is like, oh, man, that's so dull. <laughs> and in the office, this is like what we live for. Um, geeking out, aren't we? Um, we could use the word taking, participating, enjoying. All of those are are great words. And I didn't think of it at the time, but now I feel much more secure to use um, the word celebrate. To use the word celebrate. We celebrate communion because if we look at what Jesus was doing around the table when he was taking the, the first communion at the Last Supper, he said, he replied, I am going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples at his house in Matthew 26. And as I mentioned earlier, the first communion happened at the Last Supper. It was a celebration. As they remember the somberness of the Passover, there's a sadness and there's, there's, there is a somberness to it. There's also a celebratory moment to it. It's a bit like Good Friday. There's a real somberness on, on Good Friday, but there's also a rejoicing because we know what's to come. And it's... Uh, it's okay for us to do communion with an upbeat song. It is okay to do that. It's okay to have big bits of bread, which isn't Jehovah's best of both. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do it in a life group around a table with a real lovely meal together, and then we can, we can really enjoy it around a good meal. Communion is a celebration of Christ's death, his resurrection, and what is to come in his restoration of all things. So all I have mentioned so far, this list so far, is very much remembrance. It's looking back. But um, communion is also looking outwards. Communion is proclamation. It's where we get that word mass. So if you've grown up uh, and you've, you've used the word mass, this is where we get this from. It's a proclamation. It's telling people the gospel. It says in verse 26 of uh, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Celebrating communion together ensures that the gospel is preached, ensures that the gospel is heard, whether, whether we are aware of it or not. And what, what, what are we proclaiming? Think about it. During communion, we're focusing on our, our reunion with God, his presence with us, and our enjoyment of being in him. In Genesis 3, Satan turns to Adam and Eve. And he's like, take and eat this fruit. Take and eat this fruit. And what, what was the result? They ate it, and they were driven from the presence of God. 
Yet in the Lord's Supper, in communion, Jesus says to his disciples, take and eat. And what he is doing, he is reversing the words of Satan. And he is drawing all of humanity back to himself. And that, that's what we're proclaiming as we, are, as we are taking the bread and the wine. A guy called Derek Kidner, he wrote a beautiful, wonderful line. It says this, God will taste poverty and death before take and eat become verbs of salvation's proclamation. Yeah, we, we proclaim that every time we come to the Lord's table, every time we remember Jesus is called take, eat, all of you. When Christians are taking communion, there's a moment of exclusiveness because it's a Christian moment. However, it's a proclamation of the gospel and an invitation for people to, to come. And the invitation uh, is found in Matthew 11, famous verse, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a great verse to use for communion. Come and eat, come and enjoy God. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we celebrate communion in a, in a bit, we're going to be proclaiming the gospel together. We're going to be enjoying the gospel that says, come, come and meet with Jesus, come and eat, come and find rest, come enjoy God, come to the table. So communion is proclamation, but also communion is anticipation. Verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is about looking back. It's about celebrating and remembering. It's about looking out. It's about proclaiming the gospel and the good news of all can come, find rest in him. But it also is a looking forward Communion is an anticipation of the glory to come. The disciples at the, the Last Supper, they were eating the Passover in anticipation of a Messiah. That's why they were celebrating the Passover. But our meal in communion is, is, is different. We enjoy communion because as Christians, we celebrate certain victory over sin and death and a beautiful, full assurance of life that is found in Jesus in glory to come. Though anticipating, uh, sorry, through anticipating Jesus in communion, we are remembering to look forward. It's like a holiday. That, you, know, you know when it's, it's not today, it's lovely today, but when it's raining outside like it has been all week, it's dull and dreary, and you're like, yeah, but I've got that holiday to look forward to. That's sort of what communion is doing for us. Communion is like a reminder for us, oh, no, no, we don't live for this life. The pain and the suffering and the hurt and, and all of those things. No, no, I've got glory to look forward to. I've got Jesus to look forward to. It's a reminder of the meal. So as we take this meal, it's a reminder of the meal to come in glory where we will sit down with one another and we will enjoy what the Bible calls the wedding feast of the Lamb where there will be no sin, there will be no pain, there will be no death, there will be no suffering. That will all cease. What a glorious future we have and what a glorious reminder. Communion is of that. Communion also is self-examination. So we, we finally, we, we look inwards. 
We look inwards, <coughs> self-examination. And this is, this is possibly Paul's most hard-hitting points that he makes in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, um, verse 27 to 29. So, whenever, uh, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Paul is primarily talking to the church. Here he's talking to, to Christians who, as I mentioned earlier, they were getting it all wrong. They made a right dog's dinner of it. Um, but it's worth noting his point on, on judgment and his point of self-examination is, is primarily a training in righteousness moment for those who just don't regard sin as a big deal. They don't think sin is, is an issue. And Paul is clear in it that, that sin, unrepentant sin is, is an issue. Yet communion gives us the opportunity to bring that to the table, to bring it to him. Communion is not a call for, for moral perfection. It's not a call for us to be morally perfect. Communion is, is not a banquet for people who are sinless. That's not what it is. It's a sustaining meal for a repentant sinner. Those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, but they just know I've fallen short. I've not... I've not made the grade. So this call for self-examination is not, ex- looked at, it's not aimed at excluding those who have sinned, otherwise none of us would be able to go, go to the table. Nowhere has it been more beautifully and eloquently expressed than in the Heidelberg Catechism. It addresses the, the who should take communion. Is, it, is this you? So who should take communion? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that, their, trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and the death of Christ. How stunning is that? Communion is a beautiful reminder of our need for his grace in our lives. Last week, Joe asked um, which phrase we emphasize more. This is my body or do this in remembrance of me. And, and in the same vein, in this list, how do you personally approach communion? How, how do you how, think about it? Which ones have you just focused on without even really thinking about it? Which one do you come to often? Where and how could you enjoy meeting with God and engaging with him through communion more? Maybe, maybe you've been coming to God with the wrong heart. All these years, you just might not have never realized. Just coming to God with the wrong heart. You've not dealt with issues of sin. You've not brought them to the communion table. You've not, you've not felt you can, you can take communion because you've just got areas of sin that you just are, are just unrepentant. Yeah, our sin is dealt with on the cross. I'm not going to the table to get my sin dealt with. I'm just, it's just a reminder no, I need to bring this to God. And maybe you've not enjoyed communion. You've, you've just forgotten the amazingness of our union with Jesus. That his death is my death. That his life is my life. You're just not celebrating the fact that you have got beautiful, incredible union with Jesus. Maybe you need to remember your, how pardoned of your sin that you are. And, and pray for pray for others. You just want to proclaim. You just need to be like, God, I just pray. Will you, will you bless so-and-so? Will they just know you? Will they realize you? Will they just discover the grace of God, the beauty of your grace? 
Maybe you need to, to come alongside people during communion, people that you know, people that you love, and, and you just pray together. You just enjoy taking communion together. Take it together. You just pray for one another. You encourage one another. You do life together. You bring unity in, in doing that. Or is there, is there a friend that you need to forgive? Is there someone you're like, I just need to mend that relationship? The table is a great place to do that. Where does unity need restoring? Maybe you need to analyze your heart. Where are you allowing sin to reign? Where have, where have I let unforgiveness trump the gospel? Where do you need to just self-examine? Maybe you have, maybe you've been someone who's made communion a small deal. It might be that you've made it a too big a deal, but um, you might have made it too small a deal. Is it that you need to, in life group, just to enjoy, uh, or when you're meeting with friends from church, that you have a fancy meal together, that you do get rid of your Hovis best of both, and you, you bring out your tiger bread you bring out your fancy wine, just being aware if that's suitable or not. And you come together and you just celebrate with unity, together, at a meal, around a table, just enjoying that, being audacious in it. Maybe you need to remember what you are celebrating. Maybe you've just forgotten, oh, I'm living for this life, and oh, wow, God, I need to just anticipate eternity, the beauty of eternity, the glorious future that I have I've got with you. And we can do that through a real celebration. We can, we can celebrate. You can have your eyes open when you're taking communion. It doesn't need to be a, a closed-eyed moment. It can be. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, we, we can have our eyes open and we can celebrate. Yes, ah, man, out of that grave. And we can dance and it's okay. Because we're celebrating the cross. We're celebrating his victory and we're celebrating what we've got to look forward to. He's, this is not a tick list. It's not, oh, I did that this week. Yep, now that. Um, oh, I haven't done that. I'll do that next week. It's not that. It isn't that. It's, they're, not, they're not tick boxes. Just want to remind you, communion ultimately does not move on from the gospel. We shouldn't move on from the gospel. If you get stuck taking communion, if you're just in a place where you're just, oh, it's just bland, I just can't find anything to celebrate. I can't, I've got nothing to look forward to. can't think of what I've got to look forward to. If you just examine your heart, you say, I just feel so guilty. I just feel complete and utter shame. If you're, you're there and you just, I'm just not in the mood. I'm just not in the mood for this. Then focus on remembering the gospel. We, we don't tire of moving on from the gospel. We never move on from the gospel. Communion is a beautiful reminder that we are in need of his grace and that he sufficiently and beautifully and elegantly fulfills it and supplies it. The bread and wine is our opportunity to express, enjoy and experience communion with Jesus and with one another as we look forward to it in thanksgiving and celebration. So we proclaim what is to come, what Jesus has already done and what is to come. J.I. Packer says, as the preaching of the word makes the gospel audible, so what I'm doing today, preaching the word, making the gospel audible, so communion makes visible and God stirs up faith by both means. Our faith can be stirred 
So we're going to do. Um, do you want to? Do you want to stand? The band are going to come up. I'm going to invite you to grab the bread and the wine. If you're a Christian this morning, we can. You can enjoy this. You can experience this. And it might be that you're somebody who has never taken communion before. You've never celebrated communion before. Well, you've got an opportunity to take it for the first time this morning. It might be that you're like, yeah, I just want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to, I, yeah, I just want to believe the gospel. I, I just believe, Jesus, that you died for me, that you rose again for me. I pray that you forgive me. And yeah, come join us and take communion for the first time. So what we'll do, the band are going to play. They might play a bit of a song, is that right? Just to play like a, a verse or a verse and a chorus. And what we'll do, as you're going there, why don't you sing? Why don't you enjoy it? Walking there is not stopping you meeting with God, yeah? So why don't you, as you get it, why don't you sing the song? Sing it, enjoy it. And then bring the bread and the wine back to your, to your seat. And we're, we're going to take it together. We're going to do some unity we're going to remind ourselves and we're going to remember and we're going to be thankful to God. Okay? So let's grab some bread and wine, head back to our seat, and then um, I'll lead us in taking communion together. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus we we come to the table we come so thankful thankful for what you have done that you you would offer us the chance to come to the table I thank you Jesus that that you are not a tyrannical God but you are one who is gentle and lowly in heart and how we see in communion your heart your heart to love us your heart to care for us your heart to know us I pray God will you as we take communion together will you bring unity within us as a church will you bring us together to a place where we just are enjoying you together I pray that you will be glorified King Jesus that we will just celebrate who you are celebrate what you've done as we take communion when you really want you just take the bread and the wine just eat and, and drink and as you do as you're doing that now remind yourself of the gospel and just across the room why don't you start to thank God just start to thank him thank him for the breath in your lungs thank him for the food on your table thank him for um, the, the, the gospel start to do that start to do that where you're at just start to thank him depth of your heart 
and only you can do that. I can't, I can't probe in there. Only, only you can do that. Start to look into your heart and just start to repent. We've all got stuff. We've all, every single one of us, has got stuff that we are in need of God's grace for. And just start to say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just need you to... I thank you, God, that you forgive me. I thank you, God, that you make me good enough to come to the table. Start to thank him for it. Jesus, I just thank you that as we plunge into the depths of our souls and the depths of our heart, all the stuff that we just hide from the world, I just just thank you that forgiveness is available to us that it is all defeated on the cross that me putting my faith in Jesus is enough I thank you Jesus that you are enough just help me help me God to rely on you more help me God to dwell 